Uh, well, good morning and thank you so much for joining with us today. I am really excited to be able to share with you today. If we've never met before, my name is Ryan and I'm on the pastoral staff of the church here. Uh, and if you've not been with us for the past few weeks, let me just explain for a second this campaign that we are in. We are in week four of the I Am campaign. And that's where we are looking at the, uh, at the times where Jesus says, I am dot, dot, dot. So we've already looked at when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus also said, I am the good shepherd. And then Pastor Linda last week brought us a great message where uh, we looked and explored when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so these sayings, it's vitally important for us to recognize that when Jesus spoke them, he spoke them to a mainly Jewish audience. And this would have evoked a, a reaction uh, when Jesus said these things. And so when Jesus said these I am sayings, it's often really radical and really controversial. The Jewish people would have been eagerly awaiting the arrival of the Messiah, the Christ, the arrival of a saviour, the arrival of God's son, who they would have read and heard about all of their lives through the Old Testament writings. And the reason these were so radical was because effectively Jesus was saying, you know, all these things that you're reading uh, in the Old Testament, all these things that you're hoping for, uh, that is in me. All of those things can be found in me. And in this latest saying, the I am saying, Jesus, uh, of what he said, it was no different. And so today we are focusing on the I am saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And this verse comes from a larger story of when Jesus, full of compassion, went to a village called Bethany and prayed for a dead man called Lazarus to be resurrected from the dead. This story spans 44 verses in John 11. And so please read the whole story when you get a chance because we simply just don't have the time today to read all 44 verses together. So we are going to dip into the story and pull out some spiritual truths from it. And so maybe you're re-watching this video later and you're not watching it properly live. Take a second to pause right now and open a Bible or Google John 11 verse 1 through to verse 44 and read through all that it says. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. But it also comes from a much broader story that's vital to know and to understand what we're going to talk about today. So let's read verse 1 through to verse 7 today. It says these words. Now, a man called Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved 
Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then when he said to his disciples, let us go back to, do, to Judea. So if you don't know much about the Bible or the life of Jesus, here's some context for you. Mary, Martha and Lazarus are genuinely close to Jesus. Jesus had his mission on earth and we read all about what he did throughout the Gospels. But he still had time to get to know people on an intimate level. He loved this family. And it tells us that in the text, Lord, the one you love is sick. And so we know this story, it's not a stranger calling for help. It's not someone who had just heard on the grapevine about this Jesus guy who performed miracles. This was someone calling for help that really knew Jesus, who would have firsthand seen his power at work. So then, why does Jesus say, and this is mind-boggling if we don't understand the story, why does he say, we're going to wait here for two whole days? Why doesn't he then rush to Lazarus' aid straight away? Well, we learn in verse 17 that by the time Jesus arrived in Bethany, that Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And in verse 21, Martha also said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. So then how do we interpret this seemingly lack of action on Jesus's part to the suffering of the people that he loved? Well, let's backtrack for just one second, because Jesus had already said that this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. My friends, there is things that God wants us to uh, wants to teach us about him, his power, his majesty that are on the other side of trials, tests and hardships. We know that Jesus could have ran as fast as he could to Lazarus's aid as soon as he's heard. And imagine for a second that he did that. He arrived just before Lazarus is, uh, passed away and he healed him in that moment. Lazarus, Martha and Mary would have thanked him profusely, I'm sure. They would have acknowledged that he was a miraculous healer, even attesting that he was indeed the son of God. But Jesus, in his wisdom, had another lesson that he wanted them to learn. Jesus wanted to show them his power in ways that they hadn't seen it yet. Jesus didn't want to just show him that he was a healer. He didn't just want to show, uh, show the family that in him was healing power. He wanted to show them that in him was resurrection power. That in him was the power to bring life to dead things. So the lesson that Jesus, uh, the, so the lesson uh, is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But there's a more subtle second lesson that we could just do with remembering. And I'm just going to touch on it really briefly. You see, what you may perceive as silence or inaction on God's part may be the opportunity for God to show his glory and majesty to greater lengths, greater than you have ever expected. 
we know Jesus could have gone straight away to Lazarus. But him waiting till he was in the tomb for four days, till he was definitely dead, 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 there was no doubt to Lazarus's condition by then. So this only increases the glory that God received when he came through for them. Just when Martha thought that Jesus wasn't acting, he was getting ready to show his power in a brand new way. And so is there a situation in your life right now where you think that God isn't moving or that he is silent? Well, let me encourage you that it may just be that God is waiting to move in your life so that he can show you his glory like he never has before, like you've never expected him to move. Even when a situation seems too far gone, even when a situation feels dead in the ground, it is never too late for Jesus to bring his resurrection power and breathe life into it. So let's continue reading the story together. In verse 21 to, uh, to 27, it says these words, Lord, Martha said to him, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not have died. But I know that even now God would give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replies. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into this world. Jesus has this conversation with Martha. He gives here this life-changing, no world-changing bit of information that he was the resurrection and the life. That in him, death has no sting, no power over him. Now, Martha, hearing this, although Jewish sacred texts would have referred to a world to come, something we know in the Hebrew called Ulam Haba, Jewish people would have placed a greater emphasis on the life today here on earth rather than the life after death. And so for this reason, there was no single understanding of Jewish afterlife that dominated Jewish belief. There was conversations going on all the time about what happened. But Jesus wanted to reaffirm that he hasn't come to teach or to heal, but he came to change the world. To change how we have a relationship with God. To change what happens when we take our last breath here on earth. And so we read these verses and we have the benefit of hindsight. That when we read this, we know that Jesus himself conquered death. He died on the cross and he rose on the third day. But for Martha, this wouldn't have been the case. She, we, would see, we actually see from the text that Martha believes her brother would have been resurrected on the last day, she said. But Jesus says to her that resurrection, this place that you have your hope in of where your brother's going to go, Place that hope in me because I am the resurrection and I am the life. And so 
when Martha is asked whether she believes or not, what Jesus is actually doing is fulfilling a spiritual need that she has in her life before she fulfills the physical need of her brother's healing. What I mean by that is, is Martha had this spiritual need. She had this spiritual need that she didn't even realize that she had. And so, uh, so was that herself? She needed that revelation of who Jesus really was before Jesus met the physical need that, of, that she had, which was her brother's healing. And we see throughout the Bible that that's often how God is working. So when you're praying for God to come through for you, just like Martha, Jesus may be wanting for us to learn a spiritual lesson to see how he provides for us spiritually before he may do the valuable thing for us and provide for us physically. The spiritual truth is often so much more valuable in the long run than anything we can have here on this earth. Jesus will often provide for us spiritually before he provides for us physically. There is one thing that I would love for us to learn from this text. And you imagine you were Martha for a second and you've had this fantastic back and forth with Jesus, with Jesus and you have this amazing revelatory moment that, uh, uh, that Jesus is indeed the, res uh, the resurrection and the life. But when crunch time comes, Martha doesn't exactly have the best response. Let's read. In verse 38, Jesus says this, Once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone lid laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, By this time there is a bad odour. He has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you were to believe, you would see the glory of God? And then we skip down just a couple of verses later in verse 43. It says, when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and his cloth around his face. Martha in one moment said, I believe you, God. I believe you are the life and the resurrection. But then within a few seconds, she's saying, no, Lord, don't open the tomb because of the smell, because of the smell of death, because of the smell of rot. Yes, I believe you're the resurrection, but just don't open the tomb because my brother is dead. Martha had just said she believed that Jesus was resurrection power. But when it came to crunch time, she was worried. Worried about the stench of death would be too much. Even though Jesus has just told her he had power over death. And I think this is a warning to us all. That we need to make sure in our words and our actions, that our, as Christians, our word and our actions must always match. We as Christians can be in church, can't we? Just like we've done today and when we used to meet physically, that we sing songs. We sing songs like God is our living hope. We sing songs like that we believe he can do it again. We believe that he is the way maker. And all of these are true. All of those are characteristics of God. 
So let us make sure that we live our lives in the same way that we sing. That we live our lives, that, that God is our hope and that our hope is placed in, who, in him. And when we need a way to be made, we lift our eyes and look at the way maker and not at our problems and other things. If you're in your workplace and you share about your faith with a colleague of yours, that you have this, this hope in God, that he is your provider, that you believe God is a healer. But when you're in need of provision, that when you're in need of healing, when you're in need of fresh hope, you don't live out your faith like the words you profess. People will sometimes see us as hypocritical, as disingenuine, and people will see us as false. Because our words and our actions need to meet you see with Martha she wasn't ready to fully believe before she saw it with her own eyes she was saying yes I believe you are res you are the life and the resurrection but it was only till after she saw her brother resurrected that she fully believed my friends are you prepared to fully believe what Jesus says even before you see it with your own eyes are you prepared to fully believe what the bible tells us about the characteristics and the nature of god before we have to see it with our own eyes that is the kind of belief that we are called to have jesus says i am the resurrection and the life and those of us who believe in Jesus know and believe that Jesus didn't just follow that claim that he was resurrection and life because he proved it too. He didn't just say the words. We know that he proved it too. And so let me encourage us that did you know there is two resurrections and two lives that Jesus offers us? When our time ends on this earth, we will live again. We will receive a new life in heaven. That is the promise to those who put our trust in Jesus. We believe that to be true. That is where our hope is that our last breath on this earth is the, next, is the first opportunity we get to meet Jesus in heaven. But we are also offered resurrection and life on this earth too. What I mean by that is that when you accept Jesus into your life, right there and then you can receive brand new life. You get to put to death the things of the past, all of that hurt, all of that disappointment, anything that has come your way in your past and you can say goodbye to them. When you say goodbye, you can find the new life that Jesus is offering you right here, right now, today. Because he says he is the resurrection and the life. And that is both here on this earth and in eternity in the next life. That is an opportunity today for us to take the invitation that God has for us that no matter what has come in the past you have the chance to say yes to Jesus yes to being resurrected and receiving a new life here today let us say yes to that invitation let's pray father I want to thank you 
that you call, you, you say in your word that you are the resurrection and the life. You didn't just say these words, but you proved it to us too. And so we place our hope and our trust in you. That we have the chance to take a new life up, living with you at the very centre of it. You are not an addition to our lives, but you are the very centre of it. Father, we choose to give ourselves to you. Give our all to you today. We thank you that in you is resurrection and life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to our talk today. We are going to continue to worship together and let's worship with everything that we have. God bless you.